There's a quiet contest happening on Capitol Hill. Well, quiet-ish. And that question in that contest is who can do the most to win Donald Trump's favor and with it perhaps win a slot on his ticket. CNN's Annie Greer and Melanie Zanona have new reporting about the lawmakers vying for the likely GOP nominee's attention. Annie is here. Hi, Annie. So there's one senator, one congresswoman in particular, who seemed quite interested in the job. That's right, Dana. While the Republican primary for president is still underway, some of Donald Trump's biggest allies on Capitol Hill are already vying to be considered to be Trump's VP. And that's Republican Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, who's the number three Republican in the House, and Republican Senator J.D. Vance. And what we're seeing that part of this campaign has been about trying to rewrite the narrative about January 6th and embrace some of Donald Trump's biggest false claims about that day. They both have signed on to a resolution that would essentially absolve Donald Trump of any wrongdoing on January 6th. And more recently, they both said that if they were vice president on that day, they would not have certified the election like Mike Pence did. Take a listen to what they had to say. If I had been vice president, I would have told the states like Pennsylvania, Georgia, and so many others that we needed to have multiple slates of electors, and I think the U.S. Congress should have fought over it from there. I would not have done what Mike Pence did. I don't think that was the right approach. I think it's very important that we continue to stand up for the Constitution and have legal and secure elections, which we did not have in 2020. Now, the motivations behind those comments are obvious to even some of their own Republican colleagues. One Republican lawmaker that Melanie and I spoke to on the condition of anonymity said, quote, they just can't kiss his butt enough, end quote. Quote, it's obvious. But, Dana, for Trump's part, we're told that no serious conversations have started about who would be his running mate, and sources say he's just enjoying throwing names out there and watching his allies on Capitol Hill. He certainly seems to be enjoying it. And uh, those sound bites really are quite telling. Dan Crenshaw was on uh, on Friday saying, point blank, this is a Republican, that that is not, in fact, what the Constitution says. So uh, I know you, you, you understand that as well. And thank you so much for that great reporting from you and Melanie. Annie, good to see you. Nikki Haley is on the campaign trail in South Carolina as Donald Trump is spending his day before a Florida judge. And this morning, Nikki Haley, I think the strongest we've ever heard from her, slamming Donald Trump for his controversial comments on NATO and comments about her husband, who currently is overseas serving in the military. Listen. You mock one veteran, you're mocking all veterans. But this is a pattern, Dana. He's done this over and over again. The closest he's come to harm's way is a golf ball hitting him on a, on a golf cart. These men and women sacrifice for us every day. They're willing to shed blood. That's the values that made this country great. And anybody that excuses what he continues to say against the military is hugely mistaken. With us now, Democratic strategist and former executive director of the New York State Democratic Party, Basil Smeichel, and political commentator and Republican strategist, Joseph Pinion. You both <laughs> nodded your head and sort of half-grunted when Nikki Haley made those comments. And I can't tell if it was in affirmation <laughs> or some kind of reaction to I too. was the half-grunt. Okay. <laughs> so, well, what, what did you guys think of that? 
Look, I, I think she makes some valid points. Right. When you're attacking people who have raised their hand to serve on behalf of a grateful nation, uh, certainly you're not where your feet need to be planted. I think, obviously, when you look at where the Republican Party wants to be, uh, we want to be trying to reach out to those military families as we stare down the barrel of the potential for a third world war, the closest we have been uh, to such global instability since the last time uh, we had a world war. So, yes, obviously, the statements are regrettable, uh, to say the least. Uh, but I think ultimately, in the end, I think what more people are focused on, uh, whether you agree with it or not, is the state of affairs in the world and obviously uh, the news that came out from the Department of Justice as it relates to the state of mind for the current commander in chief. But one of the big stories that has come out today, speaking of the state of affairs in the world, is that Donald Trump basically invited Putin mm -hmm. to do whatever the quote hell he wants. Um, because he said, if NATO doesn't pay their fair share, then that's what I would do as president. What are your thoughts on that? Reckless isolationism, quite frankly. I mean, I know that there are a lot of his supporters that may feel comforted or at least feel uh, connected to him by for him to say, you know, look, we've done our fair share with NATO. We don't need to be able to pick up the rest of the world's uh, uh, check here. Similar comments have come out in the past about the UN, but when you pair that, for example, with what we were what we were hearing with Nikki Haley, you know, he has a pattern of this. He's gone after John McCain, for example. He's he's gone after generals when he when we ran in 2016. So this sense that Donald Trump is somehow going to be a different person than he was a few years ago is just completely erroneous. He is an individual who. Um, is not moved, is not one for hyperbole, even though there are a lot of his supporters that want us to think that. Words are dangerous. So as Joe is talking about uh, all of the concerns in the world right now, uh, think about how important language and words are, particularly if you're president of the United States.